This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Working Class Bowhunter podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. I think I left about 4, No one honestly really cares. Steve's calling me while I'm holding <laughs> getting ready for this deer to stand up. So. Glad you took this deer out. He doesn't even drive American. <laughs> See, that deer's what's exactly what's wrong with this country, right? He doesn't even support local American-made deer-compatible vehicles. <laughs> that one that one arrow cost me $33,000. what happened? Just... just aiming too long and just moved a little bit and it's like oh no it fired you know crap i knew as soon as it left it was just a little high but he came right out in the field made a scrape right in the cornfield started grunting walked 30 yards made another scrape you're listening to the working class bow hunter that's right this is the podcast for billy joe lunch bucket the working man just like me and you my name's travis t-bone turner from the bone collector thank you for tuning in It's time once again for the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast right here at 1600 Buckslayer Place. We're in the Bucketorium in happening, sunny, beautiful Sherrard, Illinois. Couldn't be anywhere else. My name's Steve. Kurt's over here as always. Well, as usually. (laughs) (laughs) Not the past couple weeks, but uh, with us in here is Samantha. Brought to you by Yosemite (laughs) Road Vineyards. (laughs) Yes, today I am. Today I am. This is a weekend podcast, so this is this is a pre-recorded Anything podcast. Goes. Yep. So, yeah, yeah we we pre-recorded some podcasts because I went to uh, Brazil for a few weeks. Um, so well, I'll be in and out. Everyone's kind of if you've been listening, you're aware of that. Um, but this episode is brought to you by HHA Sports, and what's beautiful about that HHA, if you're unfamiliar um, as a bow hunter. I don't know where you've been for the last 20 years or however long they've been around. They've been around a while. Um, the HHA Optimizer um, is what we shoot. Single pin, hashtag single pin nation. It's, we talk about it all the time. Single pin for deer hunting and for target is the greatest yeah. thing. And there's a lot of people on the fence. I don't know if I want to try a single pin. That worries me. There's so much to worry about. 
it's it's really once you get used to it it's awesome your sight picture's clear and you can get the job done it's like it's like you know when you're younger you're drinking beer oh i can never get used to this now when you're used to it it's the greatest thing ever so that's what we do hashtag single pin nation and you know like uh, like kurt said he was gone so things are changing a little bit and speaking of changing with the optimizer you get that replaceable wheel yeah dial. so yeah it's like for the guys who have um like different arrow weights or whatever you may do in different broadheads light of knocks whatever if they shoot different than your normal arrows you just pop that uh yardage wheel off and you can put a new one on and you're ready to rock see it's, the working class bow hunter podcast is just like the optimizer you can change a couple things but it's still great <laughs> just trying to make you feel good kurt for thanks. go traveling all the time thanks um so typically the working class bow hunter is brought to you by creative critters taxidermy we have done such a great job promoting for creative critters that mark basically said i have to close my appointment books it's just i can't take in any more work one guy is stacked to the books so this season his appointment book has been closed He's got to finish these work orders he has now, and we'll see where he's at in the spring after because he just can't do it. It's too much workflow for one guy, so he's basically just got to get caught up and handle what he's got and take care of the clientele he has now. So you know, and we do want to send a thank you out for everybody that's heard us talk about him and and went there to get some work done. We're we're super humbled that you guys would would think to go there, but you know, hey, he is one man. Um, the boy needs some sleep is really what needs to happen. Pretty much so. is what it ends up being. But he, uh, yeah, he, he'll still be on the episode probably quite often. When I'm not around, Mark will be in, um, filling in for me. But, yeah, you'll still hear from Mark. You'll still hear, still hear lots of taxidermy talk, talk from Mark and everything like that. But as far as taking him work, it's going to be put on a hold for now. Guy's got to, you know, get caught back up on what he's got to do. So, uh the podcast is also brought to you by Badlands Packs. Um, we had them on an episode, and <laughs> we realized then, we always knew they were great packs, but after that episode, I'm like, dude, what is everyone thinking? Like, why are you buying other packs when Badlands is willing to be like, 100% warranty, no questions asked, use the products, use them how they're intended, beat them up. You know, if they bust, that's our fault. Send it in, we'll give you another one. You know, when I was using mine, I, like I saw that it was – there was some wet grass, and I was like, ah, brand new pack. Do I really want to set it down? And I was like, wet oh, grass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah, lifetime warranty. You know, it, it's so nice to have a have a product that you know you can use and abuse and use it to it it till it till it breaks. And you God it back forbid in. you drop your Badlands pack in wet grass. There's dudes on mountains well, I, right I, now, like, <laughs> clinging for their lives, going after, like, a sheep. On a ledge, they're like, man, I ripped it up on some sharp shale. Oh, well. She's like, yeah, wet grass needs. Hey, I'm, ju I'm just saying, you know, it's, it, it was brand new. You it was have like a high-quality item that you care about. And... Mm -hmm. That's true. I see your point. But wet grass. I mean, geez, I, I'll lay down in wet grass. <laughs> but, uh, no, the thing is, like, Sam has backpacked across the world. And so Sam understands the – you didn't do it with the Badlands at the time, but mm – -hmm. uh, you understand what a good pack is made of. The importance of a, a nice pack and where the weight sits on your back and, you know, how much you can put in it, how well it can be stored, different different sorts of pockets and zippers and things like that. They, they all come in play in the backpack. Right. Well, I had mine loaded down with trail cams today, and um, I had a, binoculars and all the weight in there. And 
it's hot. It was hot today in the summer, and I was walking through the weeds and getting through stuff, and I didn't feel uncomfortable at all. Like, I didn't feel like I was being pulled backwards from all the weight exactly. in my backpack, whereas some other, like, generic brand packs that I had that it's basically a garb a camo garbage bag with shoulder straps on it. it yeah, it, you think oh they're all the basic they're all basically the same exact thing and when you put them true. on and you put them to the test and yeah, it's completely different. On a hot day you get that breeze that flows on your back right where it's needed and right. and the weight's not pulling on your shoulders and you're not getting uncomfortable and sore. It's sitting down in your pelvic bone and you know, it's sitting right. Well, especially when you're packing out like different um, gear or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. once your back starts to feel achy because of the way it's pulling on your on your back and your muscles and everything, that's when you really start to get fatigued and it's game over from there. Oh, it's there. awful, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's and that's why I do like like my pack. You know, it's one of the um, it, it, it'll sit right above you know right where your your kidneys would be. You know, the um, waist. Yeah. Uh, it just it, for me, I don't try to take that much into the woods with me because I know. That if I carry something heavy, I'll be breathing heavy for about the next hour and a half. Right. Well, that's I mean, that's just real life, son. So you know, for me, it I try not to take that much, and I where it sits, it's very very comfortable for me. Right. Well, it depends too. You know, I was talking to Cameron Tank about this, and he's like, you know, I don't really need a big pack because he was talking about getting the Badlands, and I'm like, man, they're all awesome. You really can't go wrong with anything they make, and. I was telling them about the Super Day pack that I have and how yeah. it, it can fit so much stuff in it, and it's just it's easily it's easy to be organized with it. Yeah, and if you don't ha- if you're not going to fill it up to the brims, that's okay. It compresses down and it still right. can hold a little bit, and you can be right. on your way. But he was saying he's like, I don't really care that carry that much into the woods anyway. He's like, What do you carry? I'm like, I'm pretty loaded down when I go because I might be you know especially if I just put in my vacation, I'm sitting in the woods and. I'm out there for five to six days in a row, and I'm in a stand. I'm like, this isn't working. I want to be able to have everything in my pack to pull that set or pull that hang on or whatever I'm hunting out of, pull it down, put straps in there, hooks, everything I need, move it. I might have three or four different pull ropes in the side pocket on the on that Super Day pack, um, and then I want to be able to just throw it up and not be like, oh, man, I got to run home and grab something. Like, I have everything I need all the time. Extra safety straps, extra hooks, extra whatever. I have it all. My grunt call, binoculars, rangefinder. Um, if you're like a camera, a camera arm, anything you're going to have, it's it's awesome. Yeah, all the tools and equipment are right with you, plus you have the room to carry even more if you need to, and it's all comfortable. Right. Yeah, because, you know, if, if you get in a situation where, you know, you're going to go hunt some public land or, you, you know, you're, you're going to a, a spot where it's really far out there, you know, so you knock down a deer – and rather than trying to walk three miles to the truck, just to walk three more miles back to where you are, you know, you want to be able to carry your knives, everything like that. Yeah, I mean, if you just have and, everything, public land's a very good point for that, actually, because if you're on public land, you don't know what you're going to do. Private land, you know, if you sh- if you shoot a deer and you're like, well, I can let him lay, go grab what I need and come back. But if it's hot or you're mm-hmm. real deep in there, you just want to get it taken care of. You, it's nice to have a pack that holds everything you need. And where they have the perfect compartments for each item that you need on a right, hunt. And right. They're designed stored, for hunters. It's all organized. You can find it right when you need it. Right. I'm guilty I'm guilty of like saying back in the day when I didn't know any better about anything about backpacks and what was really into a quality pack in general. Like, just go get something from Walmart. Mm-hmm. And if it's camo and it's good, but... Yeah, just throw all your stuff in there and go. Well, we've done that. Zippers break, and then, or you ever had it where 
Um, you know, like in a cheap backpack or like a book bag, whatever, you have that zipper that comes apart while it's already zipped mm-hmm. up. That's the worst because then it's useless. You can't. Exactly. It's done. Yeah. That will not happen. If it does, if it, you send it in and get another one. Exactly. So. It's the last backpack you'll ever buy. Right. So, Sam, would you live out of a backpack for three months, four months? Yep. Yep. Quite some time. So you have knowledge in them. So you're going to pick a Badlands out here soon, and we'll get you one for uh, the woods. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get the Badlands bladder pack. What I'm going to do, I'm going to fill it with water before I go, and then put a crystal light thing in there. Imagine how nice that's going to be. You know, you're sitting in the woods. I'm not a fan of, like, the the water packs like that. I've never used them. I really... I didn't think that they are necessary, but just just being in the woods for a long period of time, I'm a big water drinker, and it's important to stay hydrated, especially on, like, bigger hikes and hikes, you know? And if the water is sitting in your Badlands pack right where the weight needs to go, so it's not pulling on your shoulder, you're not holding a water bottle in your hand and taking away from, you know, the things that you're doing in the moment. you're not having a crinkly water bottle Mm -hmm. in your pack going every time you take a drink. If the tube's sitting right there, you know, your your movement's so minimal. Yeah. You know, you climb up that, you know, that tree, and if you're a heavy guy, like me, you're going to be huffing and puffing. So, you know, if you can sit up there and, you know, rehydrate yourself without, right. you know, mm-hmm. moving around or reaching in and grabbing your two, you know, 20-ounce mellow yellows that you take with you. Mellow you know. yellows. But this brings a good point, though, the water thing. I'm different where I won't drink a ton of fluid. I, I'll stay hydrated or I try to. Sam yells at me and says I don't drink enough water, which is probably true. But I don't drink a lot of liquid or fluid before I go sit in the stand. Because I don't want to have to worry about, like, peeing in a bottle or peeing. And I don't have to worry about that, which my dad, when we go out, he's like, douche, 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 drinking bottles of water. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm, uh, I don't want to have to, like, be uncomfortable. Like, I got to pee up here. And you yeah, know what Kurt I mean? Kurt does not pee in his woods. I don't. There well, no, I do, though. I do, though. That's the thing. Like, that's another argument. People are like, well, you can't pee out of your tree stand. Well, well last year ask, I peed. Ask Papa Dave about that one. <laughs> well, yeah, my dad, well. That's an upcoming podcast, so we'll get into the details. But last fall, I was in the stand after work, went right after work, rushed out there, and I'm up in the stand. I'm like, I have to pee so bad. Like, I forgot to go pee right after work, and I was in such a hurry to get to the stand. And I'm like, well, whatever. You hear people say, like... That's how you know hunting's on your mind when you... Shut, you you don't listen to your body when it tells you you have to pee. You're just thinking about getting to the woods. That's what happened. So I get out there. I'm up in the stand. I didn't realize how bad I had to pee until like I set everything up, had my bow up there, had my strap hooked up, and I'm up there. I'm like, man, I gotta pee really bad. So I'm sitting there and I I get up and I'm like, you know what? I don't have a bottle. I don't even care. Screw what everyone says. And there's guys that say don't pee in the woods, and there's guys that say. I pee in scrapes. You know, there, it's one yeah. spectrum or the other. You have your two guys. Okay. And I go, yeah. I go. you know what? Animals pee in the woods. Coyotes pee in the woods all the time. Raccoons pee in the woods. Everything pees. If deer were that bothered by urine, they would never get around anywhere comfortably because it's everywhere. Yeah. yeah but it, what about the human urine? You know, like we are drinking how big, and putting different things in our right. bodies than, That's than true. a I mean, wild species. But here's urine what I will, means that they were there at one point doesn't mean they're still there now. Well, it means you're in the area. But the thing is, I wouldn't go out with like a fresh morning pee and be like, well, I'm peeing in the woods. You know what I mean? That dark, yellow, stinky morning pee. That's not going to happen. Like, I'm going to pee. If it's a morning pee, I'm peeing before I go out to the woods. 
You know what I mean, though? Like, that's the pee that's going to smell. <laughs> How far away from the woods are you? Because normally that happens right when you wake up. Unless you sleep in your truck, and then, okay, all right. You see it, but you get what yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. So I'm in the tree stand last fall, and I'm like, well, I'm peeing out of the stand. I don't have a bottle, whatever. So I just let her rip and just full stream. About an hour later, I shit you not, I had a doe standing where I peed, and I shot her. That's the doe that you came to help me pull out. Yeah. An hour later, she was standing in there and right underneath me, and I put a schwacker through the right shoulder and out the bottom. Well, maybe you should pee in bottles and then put it out because uh, apparently it's an attractant. I just don't think she even noticed. It was She just happened to walk there and wasn't alerted at all. You know, and, you you got to wonder. It's it was, Sam does bring up a good point. You know, can they smell what we put in our body? But then again, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure they can. Who knows? Because, like, coyotes probably eat garbage. Like, that's probably, the, uh, you know, going in there and, hey, there's some leftover food in there. And they're an animal. They don't know. You know, eat a little cardboard or something. So there's goofy stuff that's well, probably coming. Get. But the thing is, it's... So it's... Who knows? I, I That's something to talk about, and that's interesting we got into this. This was... We don't really ever really full-blown script anything on the show, obviously, but... Except when it comes to urine. This well, is all planned out. Right. 100% of this. A day when you would only let me pee next to the truck. Well, that's you the know, thing, I though. I could never pee. Like, oh, if you're going to go pee, you're doing it now. But the you know? thing is, though, like, okay, if you're going to go out and, oh, I have to pee now. Well, we're by the truck. Pee right here. Right. If you're in the stand <laughs> and you're sitting four or five hours, sometimes you just have to go. And, what you know, but the thing and is. And you have found that it's not, not a big issue. Maybe so. not, though. Right. Oh, Sam's bringing up some stuff that happened years ago. Kurt's in trouble. <laughs> but I'd be singing a different song if I would, were to pee out of my stand that uh, that day, last fall, and a 180-inch buck came in and was like, right away, I had a good win. Uh-oh. And he runs right. away. I'd be like, yeah, exactly. I peed outside, and the, maybe I peed, and a 180-inch buck was going to come in, and he smelled my urine, and I never saw him. You know, probably not. But I don't know. You just don't know. What do you guys think? What do you guys think about this is to the listeners. What do you think about peeing in the woods, peeing near a stand or peeing on a scrape? Yeah. Tell us your story. Because yeah, I want to know. Own. We that, should take a poll and like really get to the nitty gritty, like mm-hmm. real life experience. Yeah. You know, I want to know for real how it, Did really it hurt is. your hunt. Did it help your hunt? Was it? How did it go? Find us on Facebook. Facebook dot com slash working class bow hunter podcast. I don't know, honestly. Working class. Just go to workingclassbowhunter.com yeah, and send us an email working class bowhunter. I assume if you get to the point when you're searching in Facebook, it'll already pop up in suggestions. Hopefully. so. Um, but the thing is, it's you know, I would guess my prediction for that is I don't know how much it even really matters. I don't. And that's the argument, too. Well, we'll get into it. You know what we okay, should do right right, now? Yeah, here, let, let me ask you this. So if you're one of those guys that if you think that pee in the woods – is a bad thing, you know, or timber turds or whatever. Timber so, <laughs> so are you that's the same? That's Eric's whole deal. Oh, that is Eric's deal. Well, I'm a, I'm right there with him. So, if you're the guy that thinks that, I, I, I'll put this question out there. If you're the guy that thinks that if you or pee girl. in the woods or girl, that if you pee in the woods, it's automatically going to get rid of deer. Would your hunt end the second you get a nosebleed? You know that's funny because. I'm the guy that gets ridiculous nosebleeds, like in the worst, ti- the worst timing nosebleeds, and I got to get it taken care of. I, I told Sam yesterday. I'm oh, like, they've got a. Well, they go in, they cauterize your nostril. Yeah, there's two guys at work, two guys that need that done. Yeah, so basically, I get nosebleeds so bad at the worst timing 
that and it bleeds and it bleeds like excessively. Mm-hmm. Like people freak out. And that's a good point. I've never had one in the stand. I don't think it would re- I don't think it Okay, cuz animals are attracted to blood. Yeah, you know? but I mean like I don't so, know if it's that big of an issue honestly. Well, then if it's That blood dries if, so fast and I know it's still going to have an odor but like one rain or whatever and it's done. But if blood isn't that big of an issue then urine probably really shouldn't be either. It's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I've killed does or bucks on a blood trail and then have another deer come in right after and shoot that. I've had it happen. I've killed a doe and then had a pope nice my first actually pope young buck came in 2 seconds later after I shot a doe over a blood trail. Right, I've never really thought about the scent of blood. Right. I don't know. It's, you know, a, I never really, I guess I've never been like, man, you smell that blood? I don't know. Maybe. It's just that we take so many scent <laughs> control steps to, you know, before we go in the right. woods. And, and that's the thing, so. too, is that gets into the question, you know, you got the guys that go out there and check trail cameras in. They're, like I did today, I set trail cameras in, jeans, rubber boots, and T-shirt, and I'm sweating. You know? Oh, it's Gene, I thought you were talking about our buddy Gene. No, like, because like, why are you wearing his rubber boots? And I remember there's a rubber boot on top of your roof. Oh yeah, it's a redneck story for another <laughs> yeah, that's time. That's another story. Well, so yeah, to buy your house where there's a hunting boot on a roof. Right. Yeah, it's just hanging out there. But uh, you know, I it's 85, 90 degrees out. I don't care too much about sweating in the woods. It's you know, I don't know. I'm not worried about it. There's honestly. no possible way to stop that. I right. mean, if you're going to be out in the woods, you're going to be walking around. It's 90 degrees and humid outside. Right. What am I going to do? Wear full camo and try and be scent free? I'm just going to sweat and stink yeah, worse yeah. with long sleeves on probably. Maybe not. I don't know. That's an argument to have. Maybe I should have strapped an Ozonics to my Badlands and walked through. But then again, I, it's it's so wishy-washy. Let's get, we have some questions here. So when I was in Brazil, um, I attempted a podcast and I asked you guys um, to shoot us some questions um, just in case. We're, we tried to do a podcast, and we ran into some issues with exporting the file on the Internet down there, and it was it just didn't work. So, oh, Steve Talley, what's going on, boy? Steve Talley <laughs> asked this. I, this cracked me up when I was down in Brazil. Are the rump roasts as nice to look at as the pictures depict? See, I, I didn't see any animals down there, so I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't know about. what kind of rump roast. Uh, Picanha would be the, the basically they grill rump roast. So, um, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I, I hope I hope we answered that question. Maybe maybe uh, maybe direct message. Whoa. Sam's having a mic failure here. Um, Uh-oh, Sam. Pause. Keep it going. Read the next question from our good buddy Nick Miller. If you can read that on the monitor, Steve. All right. Shooting – or Nick Miller – uh, from O-Town Outdoors. Love that guy. Uh, shooting doe early season versus late season, uh, or should you harvest doe at all? Does he mean doe? So wa- well, he talks like you do. So basically he wants to know <laughs> if you shoot a doe early season or shoot one late season, or should you shoot does at all? And this is a, a fun this is a fun question, and just like everything in the hunting industry, hunting topic, hunting any, everything, it's debatable because one guy's got and it an, varies. And it varies. On your property, location, all this. So one spectrum, one dude will tell you this. The other, some guy will tell you this. And then the other guy's going to tell you don't shoot them. And then it's it's always an argument. But this is the fun thing about talking about this stuff is we can give you what we think. And we do want your guys' input when we talk about this stuff because it can always get brought back up. Or if you have that strong of an opinion about it, we'll just have you on the show. Yeah. And we can talk and debate and have a good time. Um, I always try... To break the ice on a doe early season, if I can, um, 
And then it just depends, too, if late season, if you're seeing a crazy amount of does, I don't think it hurts to shoot one late season, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, why not? You know, you got a tag for it, and you're going to keep it for the meat? Why not? Thing is, though, too, yeah, but you know your property, hopefully. What's your deer herd like? You know, are you seeing nothing but does, and you know they're all different does? Like, you're not seeing the same three does every day, and you think that it's all, you know what I mean? It's all different. No, that was last season. But you know what I mean, though. So if you have a lot of does, I think it doesn't hurt. Shoot some mature does. And, and you need the meat. Right, and you need the meat. Um, one, it'll make those bucks get up and look for does in the November. Um, if you have too many does, it's really not a competition. You know, bucks don't have to search as hard for does, and it's kind of like, take your pick, boys. Let's do this. It's right, just, they don't have to go very far. They don't have to do very much. It's, right. It's easy for those big bucks to find a doe and... Yeah, so you, so you do got to find that find that balance, you know. I mm -hmm. mean, do you want to do you want to thin that doe herd in hopes that if you're not seeing a whole lot of bucks, because like you said, it's competition where they're on the neighbor's property, you know, um, knocking hooves. I mean, knocking you know, <laughs> it's just a, it's, it's a science. It's yeah. Science. Do you want to try and get that down to where the the bucks then have to come onto your property because it's it's thinner, you know. It, you just know, know your property, know where you're hunting. I mean, that that's probably the... Right. It's, and then you'll see the does who are very old and are mature. On and, well, yeah, they're on to you. But, you know, it's it's time to shoot them and get them out of, out of that population. Oh, right? I, there, right. There's that type of deer management, That's too. my goal yep. this year. I want to shoot a mature doe this year. Dude, I always I say... set that standard right there. If you can kill, kill a mature white-tailed doe... I mean, I don't know this. I haven't killed, like anything else but you know what i mean like big deer but yeah i always hear the saying if you can kill a mature white-tailed doe you can kill any animal with a bow and it's tough i me and my dad have battled mature does that i don't know how old they are but they're just monster does man which i think that should be a series by real tree so oh yeah smart. you ended up shooting uh shooting one that busted you what three years strong was that your i don't dad? know if it's three years strong we battled one that was we knew it was the same doe just because of the size of her like it was unmistakable it just was you knew it just big old uh big old nanny big old nanny yeah um so thanks nick we love nick miller and the, the miller boys o-town outdoors um so our buddy brandon bequeath oh you can try and say his last name i never do never do hey he's getting married poor soul oh well oh, wait i'm getting married too hey sam what's up well he's getting married in september so he actually has time to hunt smart man right there yeah. um i like this question and this is another highly debatable um should dogs be allowed to track wounded deer? You know, to me, it's really weird that that you can't do that in Illinois. I don't, what, I don't know what I understand. I'm like, why? I don't know for sure. I guess if you can or can't in Illinois. From from what I understand, and uh, I thought I've seen Chris Brackett do it with a hound. He had hired a guy in. I thought it was illegal. So, you know, I mean. Do you want to send a dog after a wounded deer, though? It's not just going to keep pushing the deer further and further and therefore right. making the deer uncomfortable? Or well, There's a couple ways to look at it. Um, let me give you this scenario. Say, okay, you shoot a deer and you gut hit it. You know, that deer will die. Um, it's going to take it some time. But what did you do? Did you get out there early and push that deer and run him, and then he ran further than what you wanted. He didn't bed down and die like he would have if you didn't push or him. Or she. Let's right. not, let's not, you know, well, be in, all exclusive. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, did you bump that deer, and that's the reason why you can't find it? Like, did you not give it enough time to expire? It didn't bed down and die like it should. 
um, you know, that deer will be dead somewhere. I kind of get why you could get a deer in to track that deer. If it's dead, you know that. A dog. But, yeah. But if you hit um, a deer, if you shoot it head on and you hit it in the sternum and you know it's not dead and it runs and runs and runs and runs and it's bedding down and it's just wounded and, and miserable, do you get the that dog in there that's just going to chase that deer all over the place? And then make it more miserable? Yeah. You know, and the, then people are going to say, well, then you can get, you can find that deer bedded and then take a finishing kill. Or you might not ever see that deer and he's always 50 yards in front of you and you're never going to see him or get a shot. And that thing's just suffering even worse where it's not getting that recovery time it needed. Right. That's what I would think is the dog would just continue to push that deer further and further. Right. And you I'm, would never be able to find it bedding in order to put yeah. another arrow through it. Right. Because unfortunately, people make bad shots and some oh, people yeah. aren't as responsible as they should be. It's. And sometimes it just happens. Sometimes it just happens. Um, here's what I'll say. I don't disagree with it. I think that it's something to be talked about like we're doing. You know, it's something to, you know, really get down yeah. to it. It could benefit a lot. You know, people could recover a lot more deer this way and handle the situation and recover that meat. And that animal gets put out quicker if it's not dead when they find when the dog finds it. It just all depends. I don't. It's know. all situational based. Just always analyze the situation, realize what the doe or the buck is doing. Right. If they're injured, if they're dead. Like you, you know. can't give Here's, a solid answer across the board. Can I throw exactly. one more one more thing to look yeah, at? Yeah, here? yeah. You're always gonna have your dickhead guys or, or whoever that's gonna use dogs for hunting. Yeah. Where it's no. Not allowed and say, well, we're tracking a wounded deer. No. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely it, not. Well. Right. Here's here's where I'd stand on it. Um, you can use a dog if, when you start tracking that deer, it starts getting really hard to find. And I'm not talking like, you know, I know that with any I have the answer right now. There's guys continue. that are like, oh, well, it was really hard to find after three minutes. You know, if you cannot find that deer, I think it'd be okay to use a dog to go find it so that you can recover the animal and still use it. Because, you know, if you paid for that tag... You wanted to uh, harvest that animal. And you made a nice shot, and you, and you did nice harvest sh- that animal, and it's there for the coyotes I, rather yeah, and, than and us. When, and when I say right. harvest, I mean that you want to grab that that deer and bring it back and use the meat. Like, you, like, you know, that that's why a lot of us... Uh, you know, I a have lot a of, solution here to this, and tell me, I want to know if you guys disagree or agree with me. If you shoot a deer and it's wounded and you need to track that deer, what you need to do is you call the IDNR office or DNR offices wherever you're at, and then you tell them, I wounded a deer, I shot it on this date, I'm taking this dog in, and we're going to track it. That way they're aware of it. So there's no shady business of guys like hunting with the dogs or doing whatever. Oh, you know what? Even better. Well, it's going to cost taxpayer money. The DNR officers are the ones that have the dogs. Yeah. I I mean, there's something to that. Because you'll that. get around the guys hunting with dogs, and... If they call you, they shouldn't. But if your Uncle Joe's got a, a a bloodhound and you're like, yo, Uncle Joe, like, if you're going to do that, I feel like that you should just notify the authorities. That way there's no shady business yeah, going absolutely. on. They're aware of it. I think that would have to be the way it would happen. And maybe it's legal now. I don't know. Maybe we're just talking about this for no reason. And well, dude, you know, well either them. way, even if it is legal, I think you just always need to analyze the situation and be ethical with what you're doing and how you're treating right. the animal that you just shot. Right. I think I'm not against it. I think it should be allowed, but I think as you, but give we know the correct circumstances and follow the right procedures and be responsible. Then I think you know, it, we know I give it the thumbs up. We do know how people are, and you know if you 
if you break the law, like, you know, come on. You know, we're already struggling as hunters because it seems like no one but us has our backs. You know, but stop. even then, though, we're always at each other. Which yeah, is then we're always at each other. So, like, yeah, just, you know, it, it's one of them tough situations that people are going to bend the rules. And it's just, it it's really annoying, you know, right. and just do things right. If you can do that right, I don't see a problem with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it it is what it is. It's I mean, a great question. Be ethical, definitely. That's a good yeah. question. Speaking of uh, dogs, when I was living in New Zealand, I actually met a hunter who I became pretty good friends with. And I was telling him about the podcast and how my fiance is um, a big bow hunter and things like that. And he was telling me about how he hunts hogs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he was telling me about how his dogs ride on his truck and his dogs chase down the hog and corner it. Each dog has a specific duty, and then he basically takes a knife to the hog. And right away, I, I'm not very educated on this, so I was like, okay, ooh. It sounds what, rough. Is this, is this ethical? Is he doing something morally correct? Is this legal? What's going on here? And so right. before I even fed into this, I called Kurt, and I was like, so is this a thing? Like, is this legal? Is this is this ethical? Is it okay to be doing this? And I just thought that was kind of an interesting right. way to use dogs too. And it's I they as I it. learned, it's an old school way. Of, oh yeah, of yeah, hunting. They, they do it in the south all the time. It's yeah. a big thing, you know. Even in uh, Brazil and where there's hogs, and uh, I think n- more northern Brazil than where I was at, it's a big thing. Right. Yeah, and that's how the uh, you know fun fact that's how the pit bull breed got to be where it's at. like that's. Mm-hmm. They were breeding those dogs. A lot of breeds they... came around because of like hunting mm-hmm. that, that way. Which you know, so <laughs> that's why a lot of those like small hunting dogs are bred because they'll go in like uh, I don't know, like you know, I'm not going to get specifics. I I don't know a lot. I'm ignorant to a lot of this. But, like they'll get down in the hole of whatever animal they're hunting, and that dog will get in there and pull them out. Yeah, you know, that's it, it's funny. It brings up. A I point. think Jack Russell Terriers is one of those dogs. Yeah. We we brought up a uh, we were watching a Donnie Vincent video, and he was even saying something about. You know, the guys who, uh, you know, people who are against, like, PETA who's against hunting, your ancestors were great hunters. That's why you're here. And, you know, if you ever see anybody who's all anti-hunting, go look through their profile. If they see, like, a, if they have, like, a pit bull, you know, a dog that was really popular because of how well it hunts, exactly. yeah, there you go. Yeah, or they, if they have car insurance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Car insurance companies <laughs> put a lot forth because that costs them money every time somebody smokes a deer. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's <laughs> um, Connor Segrin. <laughs> Seagram's gin. Sure. Um, what kind of game can be hunted in Brazil? And where I was at, I know a lot of people hunt hogs, but where I was at, we talked to a lot of people and, you know, I was with Cameron Tank down there and we get a lot of looks having t- hunting tattoos and beards. And, and so we're just curious. They're, when they're looking at us like, where the hell are you from? You know, and then I'm asking them, like, you know, what is there to hunt down here? You guys hunt? Because we're near Argentina and dove hunting, obviously, which there's doves everywhere down there. Um, but it's like, what do you guys hunt down here? Is there deer down here? They're like, well, not many where we're at. But it sounds like we're in the area I was in was hunting's illegal, but people do it anyway is what I picked up from it, um, which I don't know enough about game regulations and the population and all that down there. Um, but what I noticed down in Brazil is, you know, we had an eight-hour drive from the airport to where our destination was, and I didn't, rarely saw any. Actually, I didn't see any at all, like roadkill. Like, there's no raccoons on the side of the road. There's no opossums, which is bizarre because it's like a jungle. 
in Brazil. Yeah. You know, thick forest, and you would think they'd have a lot more animals than what we have, more forest and places to hide. Not a lot of uh, roadkill. Well, or uh, they're just really good at cleaning their streets. I mean, you got nothing else to do down there. But let me say this, though, too. People want to talk about hunting, about how it's a negative thing. You're killing these animals off. America, the United States of America is probably the prominent place for hunting of all of everything hunting. You know, we are hunting. We do it. We have game regulations. There's not a lot of poaching that goes on because of our regulations and as many ethical hunters as we do have. And we have more animals that are huntable, more huntable populations of animals than anywhere else. You know, I mean, except like um, New Zealand's like the exception because there's no like natural predators. But in Brazil, there's really like no set in stone game regulation that I picked up on. And the animals aren't there because everyone shoots them anyway. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like in Africa, like the hunter's dollar stopped poaching in Africa. It's hunting is good. Like you, people that want to give us shit about bow hunting and hunting and all this need to go to these countries and just have a, an awakening and realize how good it really but is. But we should be more like Europe. Yeah. I just, they need to realize that how good the regulations are and how how much they can help a population of an animal. And, you know, right. And things like, like that. there's a quota of you know you can shoot this many deer, exactly. you can take this many does. Like rather than just always doing it illegally and right wiping out H- hunting year or, round would be bad. Oh yeah, you can't do it. Yeah, you no. can't do it. But that's why right, we but, hunt certain times and. And that's why a lot of people are against it because they don't understand that there are regulations of how many deer you can right. kill or you know right you know. If, if 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 it's such an issue that you know you want to hunt your out, go travel. You know, go 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 spread the wealth. Like even in the U.S., like we're talking about, you know, we we always miss deer hunting. Like the day it ends, you know. But in Florida, like their season started, like uh, what what's? I don't know. I don't know anything about Florida. It was uh, June thirtieth was like their opening deer season. Oh, is it really? Yeah, I, I have no idea. It was like June thirtieth start an opening season because like the deer's ruts there so you can even live in the u.s and there there's places you can still hunt a majority of the time and the critters are going to be there because we regulate them and you know you know what's funny when you're talking about like you know you miss deer season right when it ends and i used to be really bad with that when season was over i was like man it's done like, I what gotta, am I going to do? I don't want to spend time with my girlfriend. But the, but the <laughs> thing is, it's like a beautiful thing now because I'm I'm so much more into the other things like shed hunting. Once deer season ends, I can't wait for shed season. Once shed season ends, which, you know, you determine when that yeah. ends. You know, then mushroom 3D, hunting. Yeah, mushroom hunting picks up. And then 3D archery season picks up. And turkey then, hunting's thrown in there. Yeah, tur- throw turkey season in there. And then it's like, okay. And 3D you, archery leads right into practicing up for the season. And right. But then, you know, then cam, trail cam, you know, mm-hmm. you're worried about your trail cams. Then you're worried about hanging new stands, switching food your plots. sets up, food plots. And then, like, that's a beautiful time to get a break from going after them to, like, the prep season and gather yourself. For us, we do a lot of Understanding your ground, understanding the deer that you have right. there. Yeah. Get it, new equipment, practice exactly. with the new equipment, you know, try new stuff. It's, that That's a good thing. If you look at it like the hunt all year round. Yeah, you, like you prepare for the hunting the, season the hunt. never ends for me, Steve. Oh God! <laughs> when we post that stupid squirrel meme when hunting season starts, I swear to you, if I if someone if one more person sends that to me, 
<laughs> the only thing that pisses Steve off is squirrel memes. No, it's that squirrel. <laughs> and uh, dude, it's like, <laughs> but it, all right. Now here's here's the original point I was gonna say. But you know, you after the season ends, like yeah, you shed hunt. So you're still after that buck. You're wondering, hey, is he still there? I found his sheds. Okay, he's still alive. Now you're gonna go shoot some turkeys, and uh, you know. You're gonna you're gonna be in those woods, kind of looking at things. Maybe maybe a couple trees fell, you know something. Yeah, you're still you're looking at the area. Then you know you're gonna go 3D shooting, and you're gonna be practicing. You're ready. The next time you see him, you're gonna be ready. Then them trail cameras start. Then you can really see if he's there. Right. So yeah, it's if you look at it's it, it's a that beautiful way, cycle. It is. It's a really beautiful cycle, and. That's why you know, I, I'm not as sad, you know, when it ends. It sucks, but, it's, but it really does it. But, yeah, and then guys are, you know, you, you see that. And obviously it's a joke, but, you know, would you really want to be sitting in a stand when it's like in 105 July. degrees? <laughs> no. Not you at know all. what I mean? Not at all. Um, okay, we'll go to the next question on here. Um, our good buddy Kevin Dye, uh, dedicated listener. Um, so thanks for everything. He's been around a while. And he actually bought a shirt. I think. I think his wife bought him a shirt for his birthday or something. Is he the dude that nice. wants to come down here for our next 3D shoot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. We'll do that from uh, like New York. Oh, dude, well, we're gonna. Hopefully, we can see you. I know, we're, gonna, we're gonna have to put them up in the the Ritz here in. Uh, there's a Ritz Carlton here in Sherrard. Yeah, we'll have to do something. Um, because we're gonna spare bedroom. <laughs> there's a yoga mat in there. <laughs> have a good time. Yeah. Uh, I know him and his buddy were talking about coming down, but we'll we'll have to replan and uh, get that organized for this coming spring uh, when we want to do our shoot and all that. So we'll let you know, Kevin. But um, this is a great question, and I love this. Do you think checking your trail cams every week and not worrying about scent control will familiar, familiarize the deer to your scent and make them not so freaked out when they catch your scent during season? Interesting. Ew. Um, you know, I'm gonna say no. Like the, the they won't get familiar because there's a reason why they run when they <laughs> smell you. Right. And coyotes are always out there, and they're gonna smell them, so they know that's danger. Maybe, maybe some deer might be like, ah, I'm not scared of nothing, and then catch an arrow in the lung. But I'm going to say that, you know, because I, I, I've wondered that too, but I just kind of look at. I how... think that the only way they could possibly get used to your scent is if you were living in the woods. If you had your home, your tent, your sleeping yeah. bag, your hammock in the woods, and you were purely blending in with the woods for a long period of time. In order for them to get used to your you being there, right. you moving around, okay. your, the types of steps you take, yeah. you know. Let take me, how many hours me, are in a week? Let me throw you my take at this. I think that, no, they won't come familiar. It's just pressure. It's con- What that is, in my oh. opinion, is yeah. consistent pressure on a mature buck, if you're hunting mature bucks or any deer. And the thing is, I'm going to look at it this way, and maybe this is the wrong way to look at it. If some strange dude walked into my house every day, and I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'd sell my house and move. Right. I would move over. I'd I'd be living in Viola. Exactly. You know, twenty miles or whatever. That's maybe not that far from Sherard. Um, but that is a really interesting thing to think about. You know, why why doesn't something here's warm what up I, and here's what and I get think. used to the um, The only way a deer, I think, that familiarize air quoting um, would work is if. You're hanging your camera if you're on a farm and it's a working farm and, you know, you're walking through there on a consistent basis. There's equipment that goes through there. You know, they're going to know in that area where people are on the coming through well, on the right, regular basis. Right, because that's where you live. That's where you always are. Yeah, they know. Yeah. Like, But, you know, if you're in the t- – like where I hunt, heavy timber, 
if I walked in there every day and checked my cameras, what, what's he saying on here? Every week. So if I walked in there every week and checked my cameras and didn't worry about scent control, which I said earlier I wasn't worried about scent control in the heat because it's almost impossible to avoid it to a certain point. But say I just walked in, no matter what the wind was, no matter whatever, every week. Um, what do you say when they catch your scent during season? Say I did every week up until hunting season. I would look at it personally that I put consistent pressure on those deer every week until hunting season. And I would expect the first week of season, the first day I sit in, to not to see any deer. Yeah, Because exactly. all I did was put pressure on those deer. Yep. I think you have a good point about the stranger being in your house, in your area, over and over again. Then finally, you're like, okay, I'm out of here. Big bucks will not mess around with pressure like that. Mm -mm. If you know, if I'm a big buck, see you later. Yeah, they're always protecting their lives. Right. They're always doing. They got to worry about survival, and that's what it is. So that's what I think. Um, And another thing, when it comes to checking cameras, like you know, I went out today and I was sweaty, whatever, and it's I went midday. You know, I wasn't out there. In the morning, right at deer, in deer 30 is the term I like a lot. Right. I wasn't out there in the afternoon at deer 30. And deer 30, I'm, you guys probably get what I'm saying, but. It's just getting deer 30 right now. It's getting deer 30 right now. But it's the point where you're like, the deer are going to start moving. Let's say an hour before dark and an hour after daylight in the morning. It's, that's deer 30. Right. Um, I'm not going to go out there and check cameras at deer 30 because what i'm going to do is if a deer's bedded like say i went through there today in the woods and i hung my cameras i'm sweaty and i walked out by a field that's all tall grass and maybe there's a deer bedded in there maybe they're bedded in the timber in the shade whatever if i walked 50 to 100 yards from a bedded buck or whatever he might have smelled me and knew i was there but i didn't like come close enough where he felt he could he could bed down and i moved on my way if I went out there deer 30 and he's walking on a trail and I happen to cross that trail, he sees me or smells me and catches my wind. I just disturb that deer in a different way. Exactly. You know, I just disturbed whatever his pattern was doing, wherever he was going, I've intercepted it and I ruined it. How he was getting food, how he was getting water, how right. he was getting back to his bedding spot. Right. You, you know, and uh, here, uh, I want to ask you this, what you th- we think about this. Cause you know, we've, we've seen it and I, I've even seen it, you know, just, um, Deer getting used to to farm equipment and machinery, right? You know, would it not be better if you were going to check your trail cams and just run a tractor through there? If you can, if you can. So you know, if they're already used to that, because obviously they see that. Well, you know, then then that kind of makes me question, you know, them getting used to it, you know. But if you're, this brings up a good point. Yeah, because now I'm I'm kind of wondering how I sound. You know, is it at the point where maybe the the diesel fumes? You know, deer are used to that stuff. They are. We can get our buddy Aaron Calderon in here and have him talk about. Yeah, he's he's a farmer, and he deals with that stuff all the time. But but they've probably realized that that's not a threat. Well, they know those tractors are going to be in certain places. Yeah. Whereas they know that a human in their area. I mean, it's well. I guess it's probably not any different from us looking at. You know, if you walk out into traffic, you can get hit and killed by a car, and you'll see the telltale signs. However, if you're standing away from the road and you see it going yeah you know there might be a chance that the stray car can come up on the sidewalk and hit you but let me let me throw this at you so i was watching i don't know when it was last fall or over the winter um i watched an episode of whitetail property or not whitetail properties uh midwest whitetail with uh, Hmm. bill winky he was hunting this monster of course and this (laughs) buck was coming out into this field and something happened i can't remember how it all went down but the point of it is 
if he wasn't going to get this deer, the deer were going to be in the field, and they wanted to be able to get out of there because he was talking about staying the night in the field and hunting in the morning and just leaving midday. But what he oh, I was I know exactly. What, I was just thinking about this. What yeah. he had, I think he had his buddy fire up a chainsaw and to scare the deer out of the field with like an with the equipment, and then they slipped out the back while the chainsaw was running, and the deer are used to that. It's, I thought it was a little ballsy, but he knows enough. To where I guess it worked because didn't he end? I don't remember if he ended up killing that deer. Yeah, and you know what? He's talked about if you're going to make noise and you see deer, like, don't stop. Like like when he was building stands, because he was like, you know, if if you're making noise and you stop when they see you or something, they'll, they'll perceive that as a predator. Where, if, like, if you keep going and then, you know, go on your way, they'll be curious to... Well, wonder what that was. Who right, we but it's not to? as suspicious to them because you right. didn't stop as like, a predator. Like, would. if you make the noise obvious, like, hey, I'm over here making noise, and you get out doing that. Yeah. It's almost like, <laughs> it's almost different if you were, like, sneaking around. I read some some <laughs> blog that some dude, you know, they were talking about. Was it. this, I, I thought we talked, I think I know what you're going to say. We were talking to a guy, was it on the podcast where did someone heard someone say that when they go to the stand, they run full sprint? They just run and get there. I think oh, that was, yeah. I think, I think you it was talked on, about the... on the podcast, right? You know what I mean, though? Like, he's like, man, if it's like late October, November, I'll get out there and I'll run full sprint, full bore, just right through the timber, right to my stand. Because, yeah, and, and it makes sense because the deer aren't like, he's stalking me. It's <laughs> like peeling off a band aid, man. Oh, just rip her off. It's <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, they're, they're getting away from something. Maybe and arguably, I can... are they more used to sounds like that? Right, because I mean all that's the how four-footed creatures well, out this, there. The, who November, are... it sounds like chasing. Yeah, th- this blog that I was uh, I, I was talking uh, talking about when I was reading this guy brought up this thing and you know, like I thought about doing it because in theory it sounded like it made sense. He says if if he ever spooks a deer, he gets down and starts barking like a dog, and I'm like, really, kind of makes this? sense. I don't know. It was some random guy. I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know that. Now they think it's a dog rather than a deer. And for like half a second, I considered it and I go, oh, wait, coyotes are dogs, too. You know, but if, if you can if you can make yourself not here's the human, only way I think that would work is if like the neighboring property had a dog that barked all the mine time. Mine does. Uh, mine does. And, you know, you'll hear it because like it's woods and then it backs up to someone's backyard. So there's a lot of times where like I, I know there's this path where the deer come down. And, and, like, you know, I'll, I'll see them cross, and they go, in, like, they'll cross, and they'll start walking this line of line of pine trees. And sometimes I hear that dog barking, and I can hear the owner, Get them, Rex! Get them! And I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> I, so, like, you know, there's certain times that, you know, just depends, I'll man. start hearing. And, you know, that's kind of an okay indicator for me. Like, if I start hearing that dog barking. Let's get to another. Are you, are you uh, all right, Sam. Sam's pouring another glass of wine. Sweet, sweet nectar. Cabaret. But <laughs> yeah, you know. Let's get Brandon put in another question here. So thanks, Brandon. Um, this is a good one, and this is going to be hard. We're gonna we're gonna finish with, in with this question because it's great. Um, it's great, but unfortunate. How fast the value of a bow drop? So you just want to talk about that? Uh, Let's. First off, it's not like a gun. No, it is not like a gun. Here's my personal experience. Let's talk about it. And, you know, we uh, we talked about it on a podcast that you weren't here a little bit. Um, and I, I got into it where we talked about, you know, adjustable cams versus mods. mods. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying, right? And that's where I got tripped up. And for for a lot of guys, 
out there. You know, there there's something about always wanting to shoot the latest and greatest. And then there's some guys who stick with what it, they it like. Really doesn't matter to them it, as long as it shoots an arrow. So I mean, already you're at fifty percent of people who would buy your old bow. But you know what? You know what devalues bows is bow companies. You know why? Because they come out with new models every year, and all of a sudden, when that new model comes out, last year's is irrelevant. Yeah, and right. that's a, and you must have not listened to that. I did episode. listen. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Where it, if they released one like you, what you were saying, like, do they have to release one every yeah. year? I don't think they do, but like what Mark said, like that keeps up with the competition because everyone's gut, like cutthroat at each other when it There's comes to no that. There's no way at this point that they cannot come out with a bow. Yeah, either. right. Where they have like, set that in stone no where it's expected from us as archery nerds and hunting nerds. Like, well, what Hoyt or Elite or whatever brand you're shooting this year? Well, right, I don't know. The I'm, one company who doesn't come out with that new bow. You're behind. Right. I, well, what if uh, Hoyt, Obsession, Elite, whatever yeah, brand. Yeah, the Hoyt Matthews, Silverado every year come out. Just, but yeah, but like, um, so like HHA has always had the optimizer. There's different models of the optimizer, and every year, maybe not every year, every couple of years, whatever, there's an improvement on the optimizer that makes it a better bow. What if Hoyt, whatever company Matthews said, here's the Matthews Creed, this is what it is. Every year, we're just going to basically, maybe the Matthews Creed stays the same for a couple of years. Yeah, that's well, it. The Matthews Creed 2019's got this new cam system, but it's still the Creed. It's just the, you know what I mean? Would it be different then? Yeah, here, let me, let me ask you, and, it it's so funny that you know our our bows versus guns. All right, if I told you I got a Glock twenty three, mm-hmm. and I said you know I said hey, here's my Gen three, but I'm by the Gen four. We both know that that Gen four. The only difference is it has two springs. Maybe some people don't like that, so they'll keep buying the Gen three, which that Glock twenty three is still going to sell to this day because it works. Mm-hmm. No, right. I, but I, arguably, archery. so does the bow from three years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. It works. So this Hoyt Max is thirty-one mm-hmm. from twenty ten. Still a great looking bow. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, why archery is so much different now. Now, when you take a company like Elite, and you know just how shootable that bow is, you can see how the improvements there are working. Now, however, I will touch on um, like we did. You know, I I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you know the Hoyt DFX cams. Now that's a shorter axle to axle bow, makes a string angle like a bigger bow. Makes it like an uh, like a longer bow. So I got a question. Maybe it's a question for both of you. Say they came out with a new bow every three years, a brand new model. Every bow company every three years came out with them. Do you think the price from about a thousand bucks a year for a new bow? Do you think that price would increase to like three grand a bow if they came out every three years? That's a really good question. You know what I mean? Because they're just they're almost. Uh, this is probably the wrong thing. Are Not, they de- the, the, they're dependent on hopefully the new bow they announce sells because it is a new bow, right? But yeah. here's the thing too: is like, do you maybe you guys can agree or disagree? Are they almost making their bows disposable by coming out with a new one every year? Right. Is it almost like, well, I got this elite synergy now. This time now they have the impulse. Yeah. It's not that great anymore. Yeah, or, you know, if I'm just like, well, I'm going to throw this way, I'll put it on Archery Talk on Facebook and sell it for whatever. And Yeah, I'm... You know what I mean? Maybe that's a bad way to look at it. I don't know. But I just... I. I always boil it down to it being a technology. I mean, I look at it as the same way I look at a GoPro or a MacBook or whatever it is. They come out with these new computers, these new GoPros, and then all of a sudden it's like, 
Well, my GoPro from two years ago doesn't do the same thing that your GoPro does now. Yeah, I want the new and one. And I want the new one. I want all the new stuff that comes with it. I want it to be faster, cooler. You know, I, I right. want to have that comfort in a bow, whatever it is. It's all technology, and it advances every year. I think mm-hmm. it... And as a person who is so dedicated to bow hunting and is so educated on the bows... It's right. hard to say no. It's hard not to upgrade. It's hard not to have what you can have, what's I th- available. I think it does come down to um, it's a very show offy thing. It's a very it's a that's material a, thing. That's why you can pick your to bow, a point. To it's a your point. bow colors. In perfect example, iPhone comes out once a year. There's a new iPhone once a year. Do you need this iPhone based on this because it does a couple things? No. Do you want it because it does some cool stuff? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right, but your iPhone 4 starts lagging and starts getting a little slower yeah, when and you I start can... comparing it to the 6. But but it worked at the time. Right. Right. And so that's it's... that's one of those things. It's like, dude, you know, here, look at the technology of the, uh, of the first iPhone. And, again, I'm sounding like a broken record, but the first technology of an iPhone, dude, that was the first time you could go look at a website when you were not on a computer. Yeah, but now, now look what I can do. Yeah, now look at that technology back then. So that technology was so great, and like like your Hoyt, that was probably the greatest technology at the time. But you know, there's I a think... Hoyt hanging on the wall for all of our listeners yeah. that we keep <laughs> gesturing yeah. to. Um, I... That's from the year of 2010. 2010. So Max is 31. Great bow. Just, great bow. You know, obviously technology changed, and I'm guilty. I've got a new bow on order that um, we might be doing a special little video on. Because you guys know I've been torn between a couple different bows. I ordered one. We're going to do it. And I'm guilty of, of wanting some technology. Right. You want the latest and greatest. It's, That's it, just what we do. It, it's it's one of those things. And you know what? But I think, when you live and breathe bow hunting, yeah. no one can blame you for it. That's you can't blame yourself it, yeah. for it. You're going to budget for it. You're going to make it happen. And you're right. going to you know, perform at your best at all times. You're right. not going to... Go with the bow that's three years older because you can perform better with the bow from. Well, this some year. people do, and I, I mean, don't know why they do that, but. <laughs> but uh, it's... in the end, every bow is capable of shooting an animal and shooting animal accurately, and you know, putting right. the right equipment on it, putting your HHA on it, it's going to make ha. you <laughs> yeah, it's just good. as it, good as you can like be. That, right. But the thing is, it's you know, it's just the way it is. The the value drops. It's tough. But it gets hard to sell very custom stuff. Here's the thing. Definitely. I would actually rather them come out with a new bow every year because it's so much fun. It is. Yeah. It, it generates is. great conversation for the podcast. Uh, it's the capitalist in me that I'm like, dude, make money, boo-boo. All right. We're going to end on that note. Um, fun. Thanks for all the, the questions. Um, that great, generates some good conversation. Let right. us know about peeing in the woods. I want to know. I want to know what you guys Keep do. Keep those ideas flowing. Yeah. yeah. We want to know about that. Yeah, yeah, anything uh, else? Yeah, a nice, heavy flow Talk of, to us about of your urine pee, conversation please. in the woods. We want to know about your urine habits. Um, you know, workingclassboner.com. There you can submit questions on email, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, like, do not be afraid to contact us. Some of the nicest people we know got in contact with us. Right. Well, have we you on a podcast if you really feel like you need to get after it and yeah, let us know not? what you're thinking. I, that's completely cool. Um, really? That's anything else you guys want to add? Go shoot your bow. We love you. Thanks.